0: The Celtic of Podcast by the fateful and for the Faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey Bruce. Hey David, how are you doing tonight? Good, I love your background Bruce. That's fantastic. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's an old one from uh, Rexall Place. You'll notice there's no number four there and there's no say they uh, Rod Phillips, just the original seven odd numbers that uh, hung there for quite a long time. Indeed, the good old days.
0: All right, Bruce. We're talking about the interesting new days. 3-2 loss to the Washington Capitals in uh, a game that was kind of miserable on, a, on, an, on, on many levels. It was, I think, to me, the worst Oilers loss of the year, mm-hmm. the most demoralizing loss,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, the loss that has me most concerned about the team.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: haven't really been concerned that much about the team, but that mm-hmm. loss made me concerned about the team. Um, I'm very concerned. Yeah, and I know there's lots of injuries right now with Hyman. I like, God, they missed Hyman. Shows how much huge he's been there. You know, he's, I to say he's been their best players too much, but he's been their best winger. And he's been close to their best player. Like he's just been fantastic. He leads and he leads with his hustle and his and his uh, ex- execution and effort, which I thought were both kind of lacking strangely. Execution, certainly. The uh the grade A shots Bruce were 20 wow. to 5 for the Capitals. Twenty and the five alarm shots, a subset, 15 to 3. So the very best scoring chance was, were 15 to 3. And when you do the X goals based on those, the Oilers had an X goal of 1.5 goals, and they scored two. So they were kind of on track. The Caps had 6.25. They should have scored six or seven goals that game. And it was just, you know, obviously Stuart Skinner. We're going to talk more about that. This is our two good things, two bad things in two numbers podcast. Go ahead, lead the way with your good thing.
1: Yeah, it was a pretty obvious one on this night other than you might have it, but uh, Stuart Skinner, there's no way that we're not going to single him out for high praise on a night that really, I don't think there's any other Oilers that's deserving of high praise and not very many that that are worthy of low praise, but Stuart Skinner did his utmost to keep Edmonton in this game and ultimately he got saddled with a loss on a night that he posted a 940 save percentage uh, but got no offensive support no defensive support let's put it that way and the orders gave in 19 shots david in the first 12 minutes of the first period as once again they came out for the start of a game in their own building and got run out of their own bloody building by an opposition team that had lost seven of its eight previous road teams games so i mean there's reason for washington to play play desperate uh and they did and they played a good game they make sure no did mistake make no mistake washington needed to win that game and they won it and they deserve to win it and they deserve to win it by a lot more than they did I mean, in my headline of the player grades i said oilers thumped 3-2 by washington i could have chose any number of uh synonyms, annihilated, like drunk pounded stomped ass yeah. kicked punted to the curb. You know, there's lots of different. I mean, it's 3-2, but it's a regulation loss again and a well-deserved loss because the team didn't have it despite the fact their goalie was outstanding. He stopped all 22 he faced in the first period, including I think there was eight uh, grade, grade A shots in the first period, and he stopped all of them. And then in the second, 19 more shots. In the third, the Oilers... In Washington, once they finally got the lead, they stopped going for shots, and they just started to go for shot prevention. But they still got, like, what was it three breakaways in the third, or was it four? So three. Yeah, no. clear-cut breakaways. And Skinner stopped those. The only one he didn't stop was the one where uh, mm-hmm. the guy on the breakaway made the drop pass and just completely bamboozled Evan Bouchard who dove to the ice trying to make a hero play and then got up and faced face the wrong way and didn't know where the puck was. while well, the guy right behind him shot it into the net. So, but this was the kind of night it was, David, where Nick Dowd scored the winning goal against the Oilers' top line. And that's just the way the thing goes. But anyway, that goal wasn't on Stuart Skinner. None of the goals were on Stuart Skinner. He made a number of fantastic saves. He robbed TJ Oshie, I think the eight shots that Oshie had, seven were robberies by Stuart Skinner, and the eighth one was finally a goal where he was unencumbered to blast a 10-foot one-timer from directly in front. And you'll talk about that one in a bit. But uh, uh, none of this is on Skinner. He was great in this game. And uh, more power to the kid. He deserved way better uh, support from his teammates at both ends of the ice, really, and he didn't get it. But uh, that's not on him, it's on the skaters, and I would even make a case to the coaches, to some extent.
0: Yeah, this is one where you start to wonder about the coaches. Um, that said, my good thing is is involving the coaches. I think McDavid's worked out on the penalty kill. I think mm-hmm. he's added an element to the kill. I think he's done an okay job defensively, at least as good as the other forwards on a terrible penalty kill. Like, let's, let's face it, it's a terrible penalty kill. Ooh. And... Um, but he's done at least as good a job as any of the other forwards I've noticed out there. And um, he adds this element of, of striking terror in the hearts of the opposition because of what he can do if he picks off a pass. Picks off a puck or gets an, a, a loose puck in the uh, defensive zone, charges up the ice. And he did it tonight. He, uh, I think it was Carlson who, who tried to make a pass and McDavid knocked it out of the air. Went in on a breakaway and he's he, money on those breakaways. It was fantastic. So I give uh, Woodcroft credit um, for trying this out, for f- mm-hmm. figuring out, uh, but here's one more way, one asset that I'm not uh, getting the most out of. I can and uh, not have these long portions of the game where Connor McDavid's on the bench when the other team has a power play, and we can get him out there. He's doing a great job. He's doing a good job, at least, killing him, and he's he just adds that element. Um of uh, you know, he went, he, he, the, so the coach is going like, what I would call the full Gretzky. You know, Gretzky was such a great scorer of goals on the on the uh shorthanded, and why not oh. McDavid? It, it really worked out. You know, the only other I don't, I haven't looked at your, your game grades yet. There wasn't a lot of players who I thought played well. I mm-hmm. see you gave Klim Kostin a five, I think that oh. was fair. Um, like yeah, I thought he was one of the better players. Yeah. You gave Holloway a five, David. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: And you gave uh, Philip Broberry a five. I actually thought Philip Broberry, like, he, he, again, he looked, I thought it was his best game again. Mm-hmm. Um, he just, he's making plays on defense, Bruce. Like, he's he's got that, he's big and he's rangy and he's able to stop people, which is more than I would say about most of the orders of defensemen tonight. I mean, Kulak and Barry just were rancid. Um, and Nurse and CeCe had their troubles. Bouchard had his troubles. But I thought Philip Brobery was the, um, probably the most reliable Oilers defenseman tonight. Um, and he actually he got 15-31, so he got a little bit more ice time. So he'd be my second. If there's any 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 other positive, he's, I, I see he gave Nugia six. Uh, but I, I thought Philip Brobery was. was about the best of, of a yeah. lot. Um, What's your
1: uh, bad thing? Well, I, as I put in our pre-podcast notes, my good thing is Stuart Skinner and my bad thing is everything else. So it's a, it's a potpourri and I already covered some of it. Uh, so I'm actually going to let you go first and say about your first? thing. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll follow up with, I'll decide which among the potpourri uh, <laughs> <just> <laughs> to well, keep the further abuse that. on.
0: The bad thing i'm going to talk about was so bad i just couldn't believe i couldn't believe what i was seeing with my eyes bruce i didn't want to gouge them out because i like my eyes but um I, I didn't need to cover them and I, I just i don't know what was going on on the orders penalty kill because the puck goes down low i don't, I don't know who who the two players were it was oshi one of them what one of them there's the puck goes down low uh-huh. Lock and barrier defending Tyson Barry should not be out on the penalty kill. Um, I don't believe it's like, just not big enough. And it's, he, he tries he's, and he's, he's become a, a decent enough, even strength defender. He's lost on the PK. And he so the puck went down low to the side of the net, you know, in the, in the position where Hyman will often get it, but on the other side of the net, then Hyman usually, usually is on. So that's the, uh, the right side. And, um, they pass it out to the slot, right through Kulak, you know, right through Kulak. You know, it's a it's a tough play for Kulak, right? He's he's got a, you know, he's worried about the pass going out to the slot and the other guy might shoot. So anyway, went right through Kulak, and and on, in the, on the first play, Barry and uh, McDavid, I think it were was out there as well. Not neither of them covered the slot man, and he got the first shot, and then it was followed by three more shots.
1: From the edge of the crease.
0: From the edge of the crease, and they they could have scored in any one of them. All of them, all five, all four of those shots in a row within um, three seconds were all five alarm shots, the most dangerous shots they go in about thirty percent of the time. And how they didn't score there, well, Skinner was amazing. Like any guy had some good luck on his side too, but they just they didn't score somehow. So the Oilers somehow dodged that bullet where Tyson Berry had let the slot wide open and they hadn't scored mcdavid done the same thing but bruce 20 what is it 33 seconds later 33 seconds later they score a goal on the same exact play and it is it is worse than the first one because um i I, I don't know what tyson Barra was doing but it was just they just left the player 10 feet in front of the net wide open wide open to get that pass the you know the low high pass as i call it from down low mm-hmm. to the to the high slot the low high pass mm-hmm. well he's back in his crease uh because he has to be because the player's down low and it goes through kulak again and very i i think my best guess is ovechkin's out there so he's trying to shade towards ovechkin he's theory. worried about ovechkin but don't be so worried like you have to cover the guy in the slot he, he this why aren't you covering the guy in the slot does anyone have a theory? If anyone has a theory, you know, come on Twitter, tell me tomorrow what you think it is, or tonight or whatever, whenever you hear this. If you, you know, maybe someone within the owners, coaching staff can have an anonymous account and send me the answer. Cause I'm totally baffled twice in a row. He did the same thing, leaving that guy wide open. And I've, I've never seen it before that kind of play. Like, honestly, like it's cause it seemed like it was almost by design, Bruce. That he left them okay. up. Like he was trying to shade over to cover Ovechkin. It's like a bad idea because yeah. there's someone
1: leave like leave it forward to do that.
0: Yeah, that's their job. That's you, you have time to get out there and try to block that shot if the pass gets by you and gets by Kulak over to Ovechkin, which is a hard pass to make from from the uh, low high position, like that low high pass diagonal to Ovechkin. That's not an easy pass. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about Ovechkin, like, worry about the guy in the slot, and they didn't, and bam. The game, the game is then two to two, and at that point I just thought, oh, you know, the orders have been have had horseshoes to be up two to one in this game. Yep. You know, they've scored, they've only had three great eight shots, and they've scored on two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not, they're not going to win. This isn't going to go well, and it didn't. So,
1: I was hoping for at least an overtime point, but oh, that be- seemed to be unobtainium <laughs> for uh, the <Edmonton> Oilers. <laughs> They lose by one goal over and over and over and over again. Anyway, it's uh, in regulation. But yeah. anyway, um, yeah, I th- I'm sure Barry sort of, he was aware of Fovey sort of tapping his stick and re- waiting to pass. But he did abandon his primary post. But the odd thing about that goal, it wasn't that they left the guy alone in front. You do see that from time to time. But what happened was all four penalty killers got above the guy who was shooting the puck, and the pass was coming from below the goal line. Like, they're not in the passing lane. They're not in the shooting lane. They're not in either guy's face. It's just like, here, you pass it. Have a two-on-oh against our goalie. You pass it out front, and you slam it into the net, and we'll see if Stewie can stop this one. We're really enjoying his performance. Let's give him another test. I mean, wake the hell up.
0: It was like they're all in the red light zone, you know. The red light zone, as we is, oh. you're not covering a passing lane and you're not no. covering the shooter, all and all of them, all four of them, were wandering around in the red light zone.
1: Do
0: do All right. Uh, what's your okay? Now we're gonna. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, uh, One of my favorite words, potpourri. What is? What a funny uh, word that is.
1: Uh, French. Uh, Two words in French. Yes. Uh, right? Anyway, it's. Meaning it's, the Oilers suck. Uh yeah, meaning a collection. of – A collection of things. Uh, Anyway, I'm going to go with the game-winning goal, or as I prefer to refer to it as an Oilers uh, fan, the game-losing goal against. Uh, That made it uh, 3-2 in the third, and you knew as soon as it went in, I thought that was probably going to be it. And it was a combination of things, starting with an egregious play at the offensive blue line where uh, Brett Kulak mishandled a puck leading to a breakaway. And uh, it was uh who was the dude from uh, Washington uh, number 59, uh, Aliaksi Protas?
0: Oh yeah, that uh, huge. I dude. never heard
1: of the guy. Robbie yeah. Brown said the same thing on the post game show on chat. He said I never heard of the guy. And Washington, like I mean, we, we like to talk about all the injuries on Edmonton. Well, Washington's got a ton of guys down, including their starting goalie right now. You know. Uh, one of their top defensemen, several top forwards. So they're they're bringing up depth guys like Alexei Protas, who had a breakaway, uh, deep Tyson Berry out of his socks for another clean shot and then made this play on the game winner, which was essentially a partial breakaway, where he pulled up and then passed it back into the slot. And Kulak was in desperation recovery mode and behind him came his partner of the moment, Evan Bouchard, Uh, who decided to go for the big hero play and try and make the slide, uh, sliding, you know, to chop the puck away or something. And he slid and came up short. And it was what he did next that was baffling. Like, he sort of got up to his feet and he kind of faced the end boards and he was kind of gawking around and he didn't have any idea where the puck was. And where the puck was was right behind him. And the guy, Protas, had passed it to the goal scorer, Nick Dowd, uh, who came in looking straight at the ass of Evan Bouchard's pants and the number two on his back. And he (laughs) shot the puck by him and by Skinner and into the net. And I just don't know what it was Bouchard thought he was doing. And what he was even attempting to do when he recovered from his original failed dive, and I'll tell you who else didn't know, and that was the coaching staff, because Evan Bouchard sat on the bench for the entire remaining twelve minutes and forty-seven seconds that was on the clock. He never mm-hmm. saw hope, the ice again. Hope he wasn't hurt. Well, yeah, I hope he wasn't hurt too. I, I don't see how he was hurt. I just think the coaching staff was was not impressed with the play and just thought. I'll have Enough. to watch. I'll have to All watch
0: right. that again. I didn't really. I, I saw it as a desperation play for to stop a guy in a yeah, break. Yeah,
1: well, watch what he does after. Yeah, but it's hockey right. happens fast, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, he mistakes happen fast, now. and he made. I, know, I, I think, know. several in that sequence. Yeah, yeah. He misjudged just, the dive for starters.
0: I just came back from a beer league game where I made a bad pinch with three minutes left and caused the goal against. So, I, I'm always a little bit sympathetic the on game that.
1: losing I'm game losing goal against the game home.
0: tying no. and then. Yeah, that I was out for the game-winning goal. It was that was deflected in though off someone else, like not me. Or, it was that weird. Mm. Anyway, like it, it, hockey happens fast, I and um, it really does. And I feel sorry for defensemen when they screw up, generally speaking. Yeah, well, you'd be Tyson feeling Barry sorry on on for a lot of defensemen
1: tonight, yeah, it's a on Barry. the
0: Oilers. <laughs> I didn't. I don't feel sorry for Barry. Uh, um just wait a second here. Here's one. Here's a comment though that I like. If you're, if we were to, if we were bending backwards to be bending over backwards to be fair to the Edmonton Oilers, we might say something like this tonight, Bruce. And this is from an Oilers fan, uh, David Short, who's a very, a very bright guy and a very fair-minded.
1: The ad man, eh?
0: Yeah, the ad man. And here's what he says: Can't help think this team is still feeling the effects of a travel hangover with players <laughs> out there overworking themselves to compete while tired eventually it catches up to anybody mm-hmm. that is a that is an if that is an excellent comment that's really fair-minded thing i hadn't thought of that and um you know so maybe i'll uh i'm not going to retract things that i said but uh, you know my general sour mood is is what it is but i think that's really that's a good comment i think david may have uh, maybe out of something there
1: yeah well kurt and his nine things uh This Sunday, our colleague, uh, cult of hockey, uh, Kurt Levins, uh, wrote this according to the likable Tony Brar of Oilers TV. Over the last week, the Edmonton Oilers have traveled 7,875 kilometers. That is from New York at the start of their most recent road trip to the flight home from Minneapolis. Fatigue is a real thing, but I do believe it comes with some caveats. So that was Kurt. And of course, that road trip was from New York all the way to Edmonton for one game, then back to Chicago and back to Minnesota and then back to Edmonton for, so you know, stupid. So stupid. Now they're, now they're here and, you know, they'll settle in for a while, but they had no legs tonight. And I have to say, this is the worst that I've seen McDavid or or play in a long time, certainly both in the same mm, game. Yeah. I thought
0: really Leon, smart. I thought Leon especially, was just, like, really had the heavy legs tonight. Like, he just,
1: no. he was never, really.
0: and he never got going.
1: Neither like, of them could make anything happen. McDavid had one play; that was his only shot on net in the game.
0: Yeah, sure. and
1: And Drysaddle had one shot on net in the game, and they couldn't click with each other. And of course, they didn't get any power plays because they weren't winning enough battles to earn any power plays. And but uh, th- this was a game I thought, you know, when they each been playing like 25 minutes routinely in these games and doing all this travel, and they, you know, it's just a matter of time to catch up with them. And As a general rule, Dreisaitl is the more likely one to tire first. He's the bigger, heavier guy. And as I wrote in his comment tonight, it's just the fast twitch fibers weren't firing for him. And he was just a little sluggish and slow to react and slow to anticipate. And and then the other kind of unlucky thing that happened for both of them, they kind of got it going down the third period. Like you could see him raise, ramp up the intensity a little bit. Between 9.27 of the third, and one second left in the third. There was one stoppage. So the t- clock just tick, 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 and down it went, and, uh, you know, and there are rolling lines. But normally those guys, you know, get a little bit more. They needed a break.
0: They needed they a They got one stoppage, and
1: they didn't call the timeout because it was an nice thing. But in the end, I, I'm sure the coaches were gambling. Well, surely there'll be another stoppage in the last two minutes. And there was with one second left on the clock. So it was just uh one of those things that kind of you know you'd like there are times where you you want to play the role and there are other times where you want the whistle to go and yeah usually it's a team in the lead that likes seeing the clock roll so all right let's
0: move on to numeros I'll start it off my number is six and this is the number of Oilers forwards who have played 10 or more games who have one or fewer goals so um it starts off uh i just go um we got um <coughs> let me just make sure this has been updated clem coston yeah uh, we'll we'll go with him first one. he's played 10 games i believe and he's got
1: uh, one, one, meaningless one, goal. Goal. <laughs> one meaningless goal. one meaningless goal Three seconds left there, so.
0: there is um yeah, he's played ten. Matthias Janmark, twelve games, one goal. Dylan Holloway, twenty-two games, one goal. Yes of Pugliarvi, twenty-six games and one goal. Pulliarve was had a weird game tonight. He looked like he was punch drunk. Like he just was he was just so out of culture tonight. Um Who else do we got on the
1: list? Conor Yamamoto,
0: 14 games no goals. And, you know, charging up fast, Brad Malone, nine games with no goals.
1: Devin Shore?
0: Devin Shore. Games? Missed him. Devin Shore's got uh, no goals, right? Was, and how many was, games? Like, bottom, 21 games and no goals, Bruce. I've oh. seen enough of some of these players. Um, because of this travel thing that David Short, I'm not going to name who I've seen enough of, but mm-hmm. I've seen enough of, on that list, I've seen enough of, of a few of them and um i don't know what they can do but
1: and let's bear in mind that to be fair not only they had the travel thing but we're talking in some cases about the numbers 13 14 15 16 17 forwards on the depth chart because yeah. all the guys that are out yeah so
0: Full expectations
1: goal. are fairly low to begin with yeah but zero or one goals that's not mm-hmm. <laughs> that's
0: you know, if you got of Derek Ryan, goals, Derek
1: Ryan has two goals. You know, yeah, so he's McClellan, barely out of that
0: zone. Fogle and Ryan McLeod have three each. If, if all of those guys that we mentioned had just one goal more, or two goals more, heaven, like if you could imagine that, two two goals more each, this is a different record. You know, oh, this yeah. is a different team, and they they've got to figure out a way. They got to, these guys. Holloway's getting close. Like Holloway. He, I think he and Broberry are both trending up. I, I'm liking what I see in both of them. Jan Mark, I've liked what I've seen, and in, 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 as a player, Costin's had his moments. Anyway, um, they just got to get it going on. They got to get going. What is your number, Bruce?
1: Uh, my numbers are 16 and 14, and this is uh, the splits of Edmonton's 30 shots on net tonight, uh, of which 16 were taken by defensemen and 14 by forwards. Here are the leading shot, shots-on-goal leaders for the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Cody Ceci, four shots. Brett Kulak, four shots. Darnell Nurse three shots. And Tyson Berry, three shots. And then behind them at two, we have Derek Ryan, Yessipul Yarvey, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So four defensemen have more shots on net than any single forward on the entire team. And if you want to do it for shot attempts, well, it's more of the same. Seven for Darnell Nurse, six for Brett Kulak, six for Cody Cece, five for Tyson Berry, and no forward had more than three shot attempts in this game. So for all that you, we tend to focus on <clears throat> defensive blunders, the fact is that the Oilers stunk at both ends of the rink in this game. They, they sure nothing did. going offensively. I mean, 1.5 expected goals. Natural trick had it at something like five point. They use a much more advanced uh, formula than we do, of course, so you don't get the nice round fractions. But uh, they had it at five point two five to two point zero nine, which is a big thumping for expected goals. You don't usually see that that big of a spread in that category. So there's not, nothing in any of the stats that says anything about Washington deserved to win. And the closest of all the stats is the actual score of the game, which is much closer than the actual game was. Indeed. Bruce, let's leave it there. Thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.